You know, what amazes me, Pastor Greg, in earlier service, you heard a little bit of the message. They didn't know what I was. I know Josh has part in those song choices also. They didn't know what I was going to preach on today. But as you hear the message, you will see how wonderful Holy Spirit is in setting up the very songs that would go along with the message that he has given me today. Isn't our God absolutely good? Well, the title of today's message is It's Supernatural. And as we are living in these final moments of the end of days, it is so imperative that we cooperate with Holy Spirit. In fact, for the church for all time, it's been important that we cooperate with Holy Spirit, amen? Because the Bible tells us that anything that we do apart from faith and Holy Spirit is actually a dead work of the flesh. Sarge, we could feed millions. And apart from Holy Spirit, it's a dead work of the flesh. We could give out billions of Bibles around the world, and that's a good thing. But apart from Holy Spirit and faith, Sister Vonda, isn't this true? It's a dead work of the flesh. And so there are things, and Pastor Greg, have we not learned in our lives, in this walk with the Lord, that when we don't do and cooperate with Holy Spirit, we make a mess of it anyway. And so today we're going to talk about the supernatural. Now, before I begin, I want to say this. And if you attend Jonathan Creek Christian Church or online members, those who watch, if you cannot relay the gospel, then you need to have a private meeting with me because we need to have a good shaking in the spirit. Because if you don't know by now that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, you have not been listening. We believe the Bible. We believe in the eternally self-existing God in the persons of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We believe that Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Messiah, always existed, left glory, laid down his glory, was born of a virgin, wrapped in flesh, lived a perfect life. He never sinned. Amen, Sarge? He shed his blood on that cross, died, conquered, held death in the grave, and on the third day rose from the dead. And the instant you believe on him, that he is the Messiah, as the Bible describes, and rose from the dead, boom, you are born again. You are indwelt with Holy Spirit. Did you hear what I said? Every one of you born-again believers are indwelt with Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? You are saved, sealed, and sanctified until the day of redemption, heaven bound and rapture ready. Sarge heard about it. I was at McDonald's. I don't know who was there. I know a couple that were there that weren't. And someone said, you need to talk to this man. Well, he was a Mormon. Well, you know, he wanted to wordsmith and thought he was, Sarge, you heard about it, didn't you? I wasn't letting him off the hook. Listen, I'll say it. And that's, I know most people don't like it, but I told, the first thing I told him was, Joseph Smith was a con man and a pedophile. And he said, no, he wasn't. That's false. I said, no, what you just said is false. Joseph Smith was a con man and a pedophile. And history, you can't change that. He believed in marrying little girls and having other men marry them. Brother Al, is that not a pedophile? That's a pedophile. But the other part was, he, he wouldn't answer the question. He did not believe in the Jesus of the Bible. He believed, he said, well, I believe he's the first begotten son of the father. 
Not the way we believe that Jesus was like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I can't say that verse without saying it. I'm a whosoever. Are you whosoever? <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, this man believes that God created Jesus, a spiritual being, just like Lucifer, and just, eh, wrong. So I won't let you off the hook with that. You can try to wordsmith it all you want, but I will not let you off the hook. The word of God is very clear. Jesus always existed. And when you believe that, amen, Marilyn, and that he shed his blood, cherry, and rose from the dead, it's a done deal. You're born again. You're heaven bound and rapture ready. You can't be born again again. Praise God for the precious blood of Jesus. That's shouting words, church. He did it for us. Well, that's important that you hear what I'm saying. Every one of you have Holy Spirit. You are indwelt by Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to be sharing a verse here in a minute. The Apostle Paul, now we've talked about this. While all of the Bible is for the believer, not all of the Bible is about the believer. Right, Linda? It's all for us. If you want to know about us, you should read all of the Bible but you read the Pauline epistles, the prison letters. When people are first born again, or I'm witnessing to them, I encourage them to read the gospel of John. I'm giving you some practical things here because you want to know about Jesus. Pastor Greg, you do too. Pastor Josh, I think you do too. And then I encourage them to read the book of Ephesians. Brother Jim, I know you do too. It's very important that it's important that we study the word of God. As 2 Timothy 2.15 says, well, when Paul wrote, he wrote Ephesians, the ancient city of Ephesus, what was going on? The church was started by the apostle Paul there and it was so powerful and influential. Its reach and impact was throughout all of Asia. Imagine for a minute, that our impact and influence, not for our glory, but for the glory of God, reached all of Illinois, including Cook County, and touched the world. We need to reach Cook County for Jesus. And we need to pray out this administration, and you need to be praying for godly people in. Amen? Do you know we can do that? That's what we're going to talk about. In fact, the book of Ephesians is having an impact on the world today, right? Through believers, the word of God. A revival had actually happened in Ephesus. Listen to this, Pastor Josh and Pastor Greg. Thousands were born again. Wouldn't you love to hear about thousands born again in this area? Do you believe it can happen? Where's Crystal Zander? Is she in here? Oh, she's in the nursery. If Crystal was in here, Michael, she'd be shouting at this one because I know she believes this and is praying for it. Thousands were born again. The sick were healed. Not just some, but every person sick coming in was healed. Do you believe it can happen? Yes. Demoniacs were delivered and set free. We've seen that here, haven't we? The sick healed. Demon Bre Pastor Greg, do you remember when that young man, I called that thing out. His feet were twisted between mine. I don't negotiate with demons. 
God's power was unleashed in Ephesus. Paul wrote to them the letter and he described the ministry. This is what he was describing. The ministry of Holy Spirit beginning in chapter one. I have heard Sister Vonda say that Holy Spirit is a person with a personality. That is true. And he indwells you. This is something I have been practicing, putting into practice for some time. I just can't help it. It bubbles up in my spirit. I tell the Lord every day, I say, Abba, because we have the right as children of God. That's an affectionate term. That's like, Josh, your, Pastor Josh, your boy's calling you daddy. That's like, Paul, Paul, you know, it's affectionate. That's like Zadie. It's affectionate. It's, a, it's an intimate, affectionate term. How great and loving and good is our God that we can cry out, Abba. When I was in Israel, I heard the little kids calling for Abba there, and Zadie. There were a lot of Zadies there. Um, made me turn my head, you know, because I'm used to my kids. Not, there's not a lot of Zadies hanging out in central Illinois, but that's an affectionate term. For grandpa, and we have that intimacy with God. Paul's talking about this relationship, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You know, he talks about the fact that you and I were sealed by Holy Spirit. The nanosecond, the raptosecond, the instant we were born again. You are sealed with Holy Spirit, period. And that's the absolute truth. Do you believe it? Now, he says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, if you don't know what dissipation means, it's a descent into drunkenness, and it also is applied to a descent into sexual dissipation, or drunkenness. And let me tell you, when I've seen drunken people on business meetings, it tends to go hand in hand, unfortunately. And so Paul's saying, don't be drunk in that way, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, when we go to the original language, and this is very important, the Greek actually says what it would say in because we translate it, be filled with the Spirit. It says, be continually being filled with the Spirit. So God's plan for you and me is to be continually or perpetually filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we already said you are indwelt with Holy Spirit. And I've used this example before, and I'm going to get to more. A lot of people are uncomfortable. In fact, there have been... In our church, when I came and started preaching on the Holy Spirit, Pastor Greg, you could testify to this. They said they hadn't received growing up much teaching on the Holy Spirit. Can anybody else here say, yeah, that was us, right? Jake, yeah, thank you. And so I used this before. You are already indwelt with Holy Spirit. When the Apostle Paul says, and I'm going to get to explaining what this means, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a reason for that. Wouldn't you say? He knew that you had Holy Spirit and dwelt. It's like this, and we're going to get to how this is. You're filled with Holy Spirit, but when, you're be, when you be continually being filled with Holy Spirit, it's like your cup 
will run over. You're constantly, perpetually cooperating with being led by, filled with Holy Spirit. And as you are, it overflows. It's like living water. It's overflowing in your life and it's reaching out to others. And you find yourself wanting and hungering more of God and you're just continually being filled. This is what the Apostle Paul says that God wants for our life. Do you believe it, church? And so that that comes understanding that God's plan for you is to continually be being filled to overflowing with Holy Spirit, meaning cooperating with Holy Spirit in these final moments of the end of days. Does anybody else here testify that we're in the final moments of the end of days? A big amen to that, right? And even if you don't believe that, the Bible says our lives are like a vapor of mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Some may ask, Pastor Tim, if I was indwelt and sealed by Holy Spirit, and yes, you are, how do I be continually being filled with Holy Spirit as Paul speaks of? And what will that accomplish in my life? So today, there's a lot of things we could talk about, but for time's sake, we're going to talk about the ministry of Holy Spirit and the fruit of supernatural prayer. Many believe that the gifts of Holy Spirit ceased with the, uh, with the apostles, but in Acts 2.39, this is for us, it says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God would call. Is that us? Are we the ones afar off? We have witnessed, Sarge, we have witnessed how many miracles in this church? Many. And you don't have to dummy up the miracles of God. In the 1970s, during the big charismatic movement, and yes, abuses were occurring, and they always have. I, Allie, I think you were with me. We attended a church service where they dropped gold glitter down it irritated me because I had gold glitter all over my hair and stuff. That's just irritating. And, um, and they said, this is angel dust. That wasn't angel dust. That was no more angel dust than if I got a smoke machine back here while you're doing praise and worship. That's what they're called, right? Smoke machines, Pastor Josh? Yeah, and blew it out and said, it's the glory of the Lord. It's a machine. You don't have to dummy up the glory of the Lord. It's the Hebrew, the kavod of God. It means it is heavy. It is weighted with everything good. And even today, I said to these two, I could sense the presence of the Lord. Did you sense the wonderful presence of the Lord that inviting him in? And you didn't even know what I was going to preach. And then you paused and you prayed for the very thing that we're talking about. And while there were abuses, there were some good things that happened. Anybody remember the 70s and 80s? Yes, when Holy Spirit was invited in. Do you remember, Brother Al? I wasn't part of that. You weren't part of that, but you have experienced it here. And so the mighty move of God when we invite him, do you believe God will do it? He'll do it. Our believers meetings, we are seeing things. Sherry Redfern, are we not seeing mighty moves of God in those meetings? 
Sadly, many churches moved from that because of abuses, and there were abuses, and there still are. There are churches that they say, if you don't do this, if you don't do this, you're not saved. That is a lie, and that's a horrible lie because the simplicity of the gospel is that zeptosecond you believed on Jesus. He's the Messiah, and he rose from the dead. You were born again. And so anything that detracts from that, the Apostle Paul said, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 8, 9, Sarge, I can't remember, but he said, if anybody brings you a gospel other than that, which we preach, then that person is accursed. We can disagree on some things, but the gospel is the plumb line. But many churches moved from that. And the reason they moved from that is because it didn't fit in with their agenda. It didn't fit in with their seeker-friendly agenda. It didn't fit in in their timing of the service. And listen, we have multiple services, don't we? But you know what? Heaven forbid that we would ever rush a service and not allow and invite Holy Spirit in. And so I understand the constraints when churches are growing and they need multiple services and those kind of things. But when we do things where you can only do this, and eliminate the move of Holy Spirit, then basically we're telling him, you're not welcome here. We had a worship leader today who stopped. That wasn't part of your plan. Led by Holy Spirit and said, no, we're gonna get out of ourselves and we're gonna invite Holy Spirit to have his way. And let me tell you, that's a powerful thing when we do that. Do you agree, church? Instead of making room for Holy Spirit, we can get focused on making room for people. I used an example of multiple services, or we want people to be comfortable. We don't, listen, if you're worried about them getting offended by what's said behind this pulpit, this is not the church for you. Because we are not going to alter the truth of God's word, amen? amen. So we just need to get over that and just invite Holy Spirit. Do you remember the chorus we used to sing years ago? Come Holy Spirit, I need thee. Come sweet spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and thy power. Come in thine own special way. Becky, I know you remember that. You basically sang a song today, was in the song list, that did the very same thing, invited Holy Spirit to have his way, making room for Holy Spirit. So as we have made room for people, unfortunately, we have not made room for Holy Spirit. And therefore, Holy Spirit is not manifesting his gifts the way we experienced in many places back in the 70s and the 80s. The problem is not Holy Spirit. The problem is we don't make room for him to move. We need the gifts of Holy Spirit. Do you agree, church? I got saved at five years old. At nine years old, I remember that evening service. I was so hungry, Brother Jim, for more of God. I just wanted more of him. And I went to the altar. It wasn't even an altar call. And I've shared what happened, so I'm not going to go into the details. It went into the wee hours. It went into the next morning, and my pastor took me for breakfast and then took me home. 
It was just a powerful, but it was a hungering for God. And then shortly after that, it was an encounter with my mom that that Sunday she went. And after years of of just denying, she was born again. And then two weeks later, my father was born again. And then a whole slew of people were born again. I told Carla this morning, she brings a couple kids to our service to go to Frog Church. You don't despise small beginnings. And those children matter. Every person matters. An awakening, a revival can begin with those children. Do you believe it, church? It's important. Pastor Josh, when you were doing the announcements, and and then you encouraged people before offering about the children's ministry, you didn't even know that that was something that was on my heart that I even shared in early service this morning. It's cooperating with Holy Spirit. And so at nine, I hungered. All I knew is I wanted more from God. And I got filled with Holy Spirit in a way I didn't even imagine could exist. And I praise God, I give him all the glory because it's walking and striving and yielding to Holy Spirit in my life. There is no glory to me, all the glory to God. You've heard, I'm gonna share again what happened at the Western Wall at the end of the message. But God has led me and he will direct you. And yes, Holy Spirit will tell you what to say, where to go, what to do. He will lead you every step of the way. I've shared the testimony of the young woman who was gonna cheat on her husband. I lived in New Jersey. My wife said, where are you going? The broker of the real estate agency said, what are you doing? And I said, I gotta go get her. I didn't even know Maryland. I didn't know the the marina, but the Holy Spirit literally directed me into Maryland to the marina where she was at on a boat where she was gonna commit adultery. But praise God, I listened to Holy Spirit and she was stopped and her marriage was saved. He can direct your car even where to go. Pastor Greg, you shared your testimony earlier. You thank God for the accident you had that wasn't severe, that had that situation not happened, something really bad could have happened. I believe his angels were with you. He will lead you and guide you. And I know that at that time I came to a new level with God, I'm gonna tell you something. I haven't stopped going and hungering for new levels in God. Do you wanna go deeper with God? Do you want to hit new levels, new heights with God? Anybody here want more of God? Amen. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you hunger and thirst for more of God, it will lead you down a path of a new, deeper encounter with God. As we yield to that hunger and thirst, God does the filling. Now, often the season that precedes is a season of dissatisfaction. You just are not satisfied. And I have personally been in those seasons where I would rather die than stay and not go deeper with God. And that's the point where if we will yield and thirst and hunger that we will go to new levels. I don't know if any of you have experienced what I'm talking about. Have you ever been so dissatisfied? I don't even know if that's the right word. I don't know if there's a human word to explain when you're at a place. I was there at nine years old and I've been there 
times in my life where you want more of God. You're just not satisfied where you are. Has anybody experienced that? There's a dissatisfaction. And I don't know if discontent would be a good word, but you want more of God. And if you will press into him and yield to Holy Spirit and be continually being filled with Holy Spirit, I promise you, just around the corner, you're gonna experience that new level, that new depth with God. And oh, is it worth it? I have literally said to the Lord, I would rather die and be in your presence then stay where I am. I cannot take this anymore. I need more of you, God, and press into God. And I want more of him. As we yield to that hunger and thirst, he will do the filling. During these seasons of dissatisfaction, these uncomfortable times actually are often the times God will reveal himself and manifest himself in your life in a more real and powerful way. Most believers desire a place in God, but most don't know how to get there. They strive to please God and do what's right, go to church week after week, wondering why they feel so powerless and empty as Christians. Still, they are faithful in doing what they feel is their God duty. And what God is offering is a practical working experience with Holy Spirit that changes everything. It will change everything your entire life. Do you believe that? It's often in the season of dissatisfaction, of coming to the end of yourself as a believer. As a believer, you're already born again. You are a believer. It's in that place of dissatisfaction when you come to the end of yourself when God's spirit calls to us to enter a place of deeper intimacy. So there is much I could cover on this topic, but today we're going to talk about supernatural praying. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The apostle Paul here describes one of the biggest challenges we will all face in our lives. And that challenge is ignorance. We don't know what to do, what to say, what to pray. We feel stuck and we can't even explain why. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe some of you, even feel that way today. Well, I want to break this down a little bit in the original language. In the original Greek text, when it says, we know not what, that word that in the Greek is, it's the little word T, which is minute. It's like Paul was saying, you can't focus on the big stuff because we don't even know how to deal with the small stuff. Forget about major events. We don't know how to pray about T. That's minute, minuscule. The most, the, whatever measurement, Jackie, that we could say, the smallest thing. To stress the seriousness of this, Paul says, we know not how to pray as we ought. The word ought is the Greek word day. 
The word day describes an obligation or a necessity, which means we could translate this verse this way. We do not know how to pray as every new circumstance necessitates. That means every circumstance, every situation, every problem is going to require a specific prayer. You can't pray the same prayer for every circumstance. In other words, you can pray the same way for these problems. You can't pray the same way for this problem as you did for the last because this problem has a different flavor, a different circumstance, and therefore it's going to require a specific prayer. So every time you are confronted with a need, this verse is telling us we have to pray accurately and required as is necessary. And there is not a human on earth who knows how to pray accurately every single time we pray for a situation, but the Holy Ghost does. Amen? And those prayers are perfect prayers. That's why we need Holy Spirit and to cooperate with him. You know, you can cooperate with Holy Spirit or you can grieve him. Did you know that? And I'm going to use sin as an example. We know that we're born again, metanoia, repentance, a change of mind. We believe the word of God. Jesus is the Messiah, shed his blood and rose from the dead. Amen? There's another word for the believer for repentance called metamalamai. If you continue, listen, Holy Spirit, Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you as a born again believer in Christ Jesus? Even if, Brother Larry, Elder Larry, even if I'm speeding and know I'm speeding and doing it, am I still in Christ Jesus? Yes. I am. But if you continue in a pattern of sin that you know, while Holy Spirit will not condemn you because God sees you seated in Christ in the heavenlies already glorified. If you continue and you know it's wrong, what happens is, because Holy Spirit doesn't convict you to sin as a believer. He convicts you to righteousness. He's always pointing to Jesus and who you are in Christ. That's why we need to be renewed in our minds and washed in the purity of the truth of God's word. In fact, focusing on sin never stopped anyone from sinning. Do you believe that? But focusing on him and on what he's called us to. So Holy Spirit, what happens is, instead of convicting you to sin, he convicts you to righteousness. And all the works that we do, have we already acknowledged? We can take no credit for it. We can do nothing apart from him. Becoming more Christ-like, who does that? Do we do that or does Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. And so when, he, when he's now striving with you, pointing to you, you're creating the spiritual bottlenecks in your life. You're not unsaved. You don't lose your salvation. But if you grieve Holy Spirit in your own life or if we did it corporately as a church, have any of you done this? You knew something was wrong. You did it anyway. And then you found yourself, some people are honest in here. And that, because we've all done it, haven't we? At some point in our lives, you know you have. I have, you have. Some are more noticeable than others. But you, you do it and you feel really bad. Have you ever felt that way? Some people call it guilt. 
I call it convicted to righteousness as a believer. Holy Spirit is saying, that's not who you are. And this is going to have a negative consequence on your life. But you do it anyway. The next time you do it, you feel a little bad, but you do it anyway. By the 10th time you do it, you don't even give it a second thought. You have pushed Holy Spirit so silent in you and grieved him so much that you fall into that pattern of behavior and that has created such a spiritual bottleneck in your life. And many times people will say, where's God? I don't feel God. I don't feel anything. God has left me. He's abandoned me. God did not abandon you. God has not left. Holy Spirit is still in you. You're the one who has grieved him and silenced him. And that's not a place we want to be. There is a place of turning for the believer, not unto your salvation, but because God has better for you. I'm going to give you an example of why it's important that we learn to pray in Holy Spirit. Yes, you can pray generally based on the promises of Scripture, but that doesn't mean we know how to pray specifically and accurately for that particular circumstance. For example, somebody comes to you and they have seizures and you pray for that person for seizures. Well, seizures, the root of that could come from epilepsy. It could come from a chemical imbalance. It could even come from a demonic spirit. Amen? It could. I'm not saying all are. Don't go out there and say, he said, all people who have seizures are demon-possessed. I did not say that. Right, Brother Al? I said it can come from epilepsy. It can come from demonic influence. It can come from chemical imbalances. And it could come from pseudo-seizures, from extreme clinical anxiety or depression. Well, if, if I just meet someone and I don't know, maybe they don't know, but I'll tell you who does know. The Lord knows. And when you pray in the Spirit, Holy Spirit knows how you need to pray. And that can be a specific prayer. I think it was Bob Pound who shared this example with me once and I loved it. It was when they were trained in the military, when they taught them to shoot and they were fighting, uh, you know, praise God for those who have fought for our freedoms. But they're shooting and they're shooting all over the place, hoping that they hit a target. Sarge, is this true? Yeah, we have military here. So they, they're, not, they're not the sharpshooters or the special forces, right, Sarge? So the sharpshooter, am I calling them right? That's one word. Experts, yeah. They're trained to hit the target. And they're not unloading all the bullets. They're shooting specifically at the target that they aim. And I thought of this when I was thinking about the prayer. When we're praying generally, those prayers are good. But when we pray in the spirit, we're sharpshooters in the spirit. Because Holy Spirit knows how to hit that target right on. So we want to cooperate. Paul also says, we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. In other places, like in Corinthians, he says it's a language that no man understands, but Holy Spirit does. Now, some of you, this topic makes you uncomfortable because we already acknowledge that many grew up not hearing about this, but this is in the word of God. There are many preachers who don't understand this, and so they go around it, don't they, Sarge? Because they don't understand but you should not 
resist or be, this is a promise to all of us. And I want to encourage you in your prayer time, if you want more of God, ask Holy Spirit to take you to a place in your prayer where you can be a sharpshooter and then by faith you pray and I promise you it's a promise. Sister Vonda, is that true? That's true. And so it's nothing to be frightened of or to shy away from. It doesn't make you less saved or less spiritual or any of those things that people try to qualify because pride tries to come in because it's not about me and it's not about you. But I don't know about you, but I want to be a sharpshooter for Jesus in my prayer life and I can't do it. Only Holy Spirit can do that. The word intercession is a Greek word. I want to I want to share this cuz this is so powerful. When that when the apostle Paul says, "Likewise the spirit also helps in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us." with groanings which cannot be uttered. That, that word is so powerful in the Greek. It means, and this is what Paul was saying to them. When Holy Spirit makes that intercession, it means this. It, it's the same thing that they would say if someone falls into a ditch. So for instance, if Lindsay fell into a ditch, it would have the same else falling into that ditch with her but not just to fall into the ditch but when you get at the bottom of the ditch with the other person so say I got in the ditch with Lindsay she's down there and I get at the bottom of the ditch with her I begin to rescue her and get her out of that ditch well we comes to pray of ignorance the root is what to say or what to pray. This verse tells us Holy Spirit helps us and makes intercession. So when we cry out for Holy Spirit, this is so beautiful. We're in the ditch. Whatever that is, praying for your job, praying for your child, praying for your health or someone else's, praying for you are in the ditch. And when you cooperate with Holy Spirit and you allow him to, Holy Spirit is saying, I love you so much that I'm going to jump in the ditch with you and I'm going to rescue you. So when we cry out for help, Holy Spirit falls in with us, meets us and joins us in our struggle and begins to rescue us out of the mess. Groanings means words that are not spoken in normal speech. It's really talking about praying. Allie, you guys can come up. I'm going to. For those who have heard it, I'm sorry, but I, I want to share for those who haven't two experiences of praying in the spirit. I could share many, many experiences when I was recently in Israel, one of the assignments that God gave me was to go to the Western Wall. Now, I didn't wear shorts because I respect the dress code, but I had my T-shirt and my actually wearing these shoes and a pair of jeans. And I went to the wall and I can't tell you how long I was praying because I was praying in the spirit. 
Those who know me, you guys have seen times where I've been praying and I come out of it and my shirt is drenched. Pastor Greg, I used you as an example. Before you were filled with Holy Spirit, you were not that emotional like you are with God, but you're a mush for Jesus now. He is a mush for Jesus. And I was praying again. I cannot tell you how long, but oh, it was an encounter. I just went to God. And when I was done, I was drenched and an Israeli rabbi came up to area where only they stood, Al. They didn't, you know, those Israeli rabbis are not going to touch Gentiles. And I don't know what he thought I was. At the end, he just thought I was a Jew. I'm not a Jew or a Gentile. I'm a born again believer. That means I'm part of the body of Christ. And I'm not trading that for anything. The Bible says there's neither Jew nor Gentile in Christ Jesus. Amen. We're part of the bride of Christ. (coughs) And so he came up to me And he began speaking to me in Hebrew. And while I can understand the biblical Hebrew pretty good and study it, if you're you're ripping off modern day Hebrew to me, you might as well be speaking Mandarin. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't understand you. But I was shocked he came up to me. And he had tears in his eyes. And he said, but you prayed perfect Hebrew. I was praying in tongues, folks. And he heard it in Hebrew. And he called me brother and he kissed both cheeks. They don't do that. And then he he said, I've never heard such a prayer. And then he asked if he could place his hands on my head and give me a blessing and ask for all my children's name and my grandchildren. And and I gave it to him. And it was such such a moment that I knew that I had cooperated with Holy Spirit and work was done there. I couldn't have done that on my own. Brother Al, I could not do that on my own. Only God could do that. Well, I recalled as I was, as the Lord was giving me this many years ago when I was a youth pastor. So we're talking many years ago. The pastor, he wasn't really comfortable with nursing homes and don't judge him. That's okay. Not everyone is. Everyone has their gifting. But he said, will you go with me? Because I had gone with him before and A lot of the other people, as I would pray in the spirit, they would respond. And there was a guy named Earl. And Earl's daughters, he had three daughters. One would not even go because she just was disconnected with her father. And the two that were there, the pastor, so he stood on one side of Earl's bed. She stood on the other. And I was at the foot of the bed. And she was crying. Our father does not believe in Jesus. And he, he's on a ventilator. There's no hope. They want to pull it. We don't want him to pull it because he's going to hell. The Bible says, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the father but by me. There's only one way. Jesus is that way. And I'm going to tell you something. Our prayers do not have a shelf life. I believe that Jesus encounters many who have even rejected him in those final moments. Do you believe that? You pray for them anyway. Don't you give up hope. God loves us so much. And so as I, be, I just began to pray in the spirit, at one point the pastor said, Tim, you probably need to be quiet a little bit. You know, a lot of people get upset with that, but I don't care. Because I need Holy Spirit to show me and tell me 
and get in that ditch with me in every situation and get me out of that, amen? That's the only hope is the Lord. And so as I began to pray, then the Lord, he began, because that's what he does. He gave me a vision. It was like an open vision. And I saw Earl as a little boy in a corner with, I believe it was his father just wailing on him, beating him. And then the Lord instructed me, the Holy Spirit instructed me to ask her specific questions. So I did. Because it was one daughter. The other one was quiet. She was just weeping. Linda, she was just a basket case. And the Lord instructed me what to ask her. I said, did your father ever beat you? No. Did he, you know, I just asked questions. And what, what I uncovered was he was a hardworking man. He never raised his voice. He provided for his family. That's what he did. He lived to provide for his family. But they felt that he did not love them because he never, ever said the words. He never told them, I love you. I'm going to tell you something, not only for your family, but your family here. When you leave today, make sure you tell at least three people that you love them. Make sure you tell your loved ones that you love them, you don't know that you'll get another chance. And people need to know and hear those words. It, it, that stood out to me so much. And so this woman, so the Lord gave me the words to direct to him. And I began, you know, I shared the gospel with Earl and I began to tell him, Jesus, I'll never forget this, is waiting to embrace you, Earl. Jesus, I know you can hear me, is waiting to take you to paradise today, to heaven to be with him. And tears, this man did not move up to this point because they said he was gone. Tears began streaming down his face and he lifted his hands and made the sign of the love sign. And we all knew that Earl heard and that he had believed. And I know I'll see Earl one day in heaven. I would not have known what to say or what to do. And I can take no credit for it had it not been for Holy Spirit. There is a world in chaos and people hurting and people need the Lord. They need the Lord. And we can do all great programs that we want, but we're like those soldiers, Sarge, just aiming at the enemy line and just shooting randomly. Or we could be sharpshooters in our prayer. And that's only going to happen with Holy Spirit. So, the decision is yours. You're born again. You're saved. You're heaven bound and you are rapture ready. But I don't know about you. I want to be a sharpshooter. And I want to fulfill the destiny, the anointing, and the, the ministry. And cooperate in partnership with Holy Spirit. And experience the kavod, the manifest glory, the supernatural. Not man-made, but that comes from him. How about you?